we say often, we don't know about tomorrow, but we know who holds tomorrow. Now, that's one thing to say it. It's another thing to believe it. And then it's another thing to live in a manner that proves we believe it. So it's one thing to say it. It's another thing to believe it. And then it's another thing just to square our shoulders back and live it to where people are dealing with question marks all over the world and in our neighborhoods and in our families. We can have confidence even when we see question marks. And so I guess the question would be is what should our posture be in, in this day? How should we position ourselves? Because here's, here's what we know. We know that something's wrapping up. We also know that there are many people that have not been reached with the gospel. You have family members. I have family members. We all have neighbors and friends. We, we know that people need to be reached. These are, these are things that we know. We know that, that many need to turn to Jesus and be, and be saved. And so the question that started coming to me as I prepared for this lesson tonight was, what do I think Jesus would be doing if he was walking the earth right now? In, in his fleshly body, what do we think he would be doing? Now, we know that he would be preaching the gospel. We, we know that. But, but we also know that his manner would be serving. It would be serving. And literally, he would preach the gospel of the kingdom while and by serving. While serving and by serving. He served by preaching and he served by doing good deeds. And so with all that in mind, I'd like to... Uh, share with you from this topic tonight, Jesus the servant. Jesus the servant. Now, I know as we consider a few uh, key Jesus servant scriptures, it's going to be very easy for your mind to run ahead and say, well, it's going to be this one, this one, this one. And that's good. That's, that's good because your mind may be picking up on some verses that I'm not even going to deal with. But I think we're going to look at it a little bit a little bit different as we move through this lesson and just give you maybe another thought on what to consider. Matthew twenty twenty eight is a verse that I have been teaching, preaching, discussing one-on-one as I'm talking to pastors or leaders because I feel that Matthew twenty twenty eight is a key scripture that the church has to get. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Now, I'm going to say this, and I really, I don't mean for it to be, to be hard, but I know on a Wednesday night in, in this, in this class, we've got a lot of veterans. There's, there's a lot of veterans in here, which is good. That's, that's fantastic. What I am seeing as I travel, I'm seeing a lot of immaturity in the apostolic church. A lot of immaturity. Let me explain. Um, you, you know, you know that your children are maturing when they get to a point to where they're not just living life in a mirror all the time. They're actually, I mean, every child, we were born only thinking about ourselves. You know, I'm hungry, I'm wet, I'm, you know, I want this, I want that toy. Okay, that's how we're born. That's, that's normal. That's every one of us. That's 100% of humanity. But what we have to get to, what the church has to get to is a, a mature posture to where we're very solid in who we are. And we're very solid about helping someone else take that next step. And so Matthew 20, 28, literally Jesus Christ saying, these are his words, even as the Son of Man, speaking of himself, 
even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. That one verse would change churches. That, that one verse would change people's lives. It would change individuals, families, churches. It would absolutely, that one verse, living that one verse would revolutionize the apostolic church in 30 days. Matthew 20, 28. Then we see John 13, 4 and 5, and this is one that we're very familiar with. He riseth from supper, laid aside his garments, he took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with a the towel wherewith he was girded. That's another one of those Jesus-servant scriptures that we're very familiar with. Philippians 2, 5 through 8 is, um, is another set of verses that really speaks to us about Jesus the servant. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. When we see let in, in this particular text, it's saying allow. In other words, it literally shows us there's a choice. There's a choice. It's a choice every one of us will make. Will we allow the, the mind, the mind of Christ to be in us? Who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. And then here's where it really starts getting clear. <clears throat> but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. So this is speaking of Jesus. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself. He humbled himself. He took on the form of a servant. He chose it. He humbled himself. It's, it's so interesting when we're talking about humility, we must humble ourselves and became obedient to death, even the death of the cross. So there are many ways as we follow the life of Jesus that Jesus served. We know when he set them down in groups of 50, the men in groups of 50, and he fed them bread and fish. Why? He served. He served them because they were hungry. He served sight to the blind. You say, well, he was all-powerful. Yes, but, but still, that was the way that he was serving. He served hearing to the deaf. He served mobility to the paralytic. He did all these things. He served peace to the demoniac. That's what Jesus did. He lived to give. And he went about doing another key thing, what he could. You say, well, I can't do that. Well, this is not the rabbit trail for tonight, but he did say greater works than these will we do. He, so he served life to the dead. He literally, in my opinion, one of his greatest acts of service not only for humankind as he died on the cross, uh, he, he served paradise to a doomed thief or murderer or whatever the reason was that, that he was on that cross. Luke twenty three forty three, And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. Jesus was a servant. He was a servant. It's, it's so interesting that he could have, he, he could have, have appeared on this earth any way he wanted in whatever position, and he came as a servant. That's, that's what he chose. He chose to be a servant. Now, for the rest of our time together considering scripture, there are two particular scriptures that I'd like to share, um, in talking about serving the way Jesus served or the way he viewed serving. Because if we can consider what Jesus said about serving, and then if we can consider how he actually served, then by doing that, I can gain insight on what's expected out of me and how I can be effective today. I don't know about you, but I just do not want to be ineffective in the kingdom of God. I don't want to be ineffective. Um, I've, 
I spend time thinking and rethinking. And it seems like the older I get, the more that I'm thinking. I want my life to count. I want it to count. I want it to count to the end. I, I haven't arrived. You haven't arrived. None of us have arrived. It's like we, we want our lives to count. Melanie and I find ourselves now having conversations like this. We may have a great ministry idea, but then it hits us. We don't, we don't have enough time left to invest in that. In, in what that would take, you know, a 40-year-old needs to take that on. Uh, not slacking back. I've just got to make sure the vein that God has called us to run in, that we continue that on out until we're dead. No different from, from the two of us than you. And I definitely believe that we have, we have people um, here on a Wednesday night, I don't know, the, the Wednesday night crowd was always the crowd that I so much enjoyed connecting with. Now, if you're watching by way of webcast and you absolutely could not be here tonight, I'm including you too. But there are some people that it's just not even on their radar. Wednesday night, I mean, they're apostolic, they love God, they whatever. But Wednesday night's not even on their radar. It's just like, it's like Thursday night or Tuesday or Monday. And so I love talking and connecting with those of you who actually have Wednesday night on your radar. Matthew 25 is loaded with serving wisdom, the entire, the entire chapter. There are three messages in Matthew 25, in my opinion. I believe I have, I have taught a lesson on this here at one point, but basically the three lessons of Matthew 25, I believe, deals with, first of all, kingdom attitude, that dealt with the five wise virgins and the five foolish virgins, and in my opinion, their attitude toward living for the bridegroom and ready. Then it would, then Matthew 25 leads into the story of the talents, where one was given five, one, two, one, one, and I refer to that as kingdom ability. So you have kingdom attitude, a kingdom, kingdom ability. And then the last part, uh, is the part that shares a lot about serving, and I call it kingdom action, and it deals with the sheep and the goats. Now, this verse that I'm going to bring out is part of the second message of Matthew 25. Matthew 25, 21. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. So there are a few key words in that that I feel will give us some great insight on serving. Jesus, the servant, and then I would like to say uh, Terry, the servant. Um, Tim would like to say Tim, the servant. You add your name. Your name, the servant. Four key words in, in this verse. Good, faithful, servant, and few. In my opinion, good, faithful, servant, and few. Now, this was very easy for Jesus to say. He, he of course, could say this with integrity, being that he was the personification of good and faithful. Now, now when it comes to few, he, he couldn't say that. He goes way beyond few, but, but few connects with those of us uh, today. And I think this verse gives us great insight because the pursuit of this is clear. We must be good and faithful servants. Good and faithful. You say, well, those are pretty easy words. Well, let's not stumble over the easy words, and let's not miss the depth of the easy words. I've heard multiple preachers say in my lifetime, the only way to hear him say, well done, is to have done well. The only way that we're going to hear him say, well done, thou good and faithful servant, is going to be us being good and faithful and, and servants. 
And I know that doing well does include being good and faithful. Since he was good, we also must be good. I guess our challenge today is to be and do good. Be and do good. It's it's not going to be enough if if we just do good and we're not good. It's not it's not going to be enough to to be good and then not do good. It's so interesting in the word of God where it talks about by this will you know that that ye are my disciples that you have love what? One to another. To another. In that particular verse, it doesn't say love one for another. Because I can have love for you and you not know it. But I can't have love to you and you not know it. I've often said it's not the book of intentions. It's the book of acts. And so, and so what we, it's a challenge. Well done, thou, thou good and faithful servant. We must be good and do good. Goodness is good, but connected goodness, which means goodness in action, is what we must be about. I can, I can tell you this. If all of my good intentions were lived out, my goodness, if, if our good intentions were lived out, somebody would build a statue to us. We would be that uh, amazing. I mean, if all of my good intentions... How many times I've thought, man, I need to call that person and thank them for that. How many times have I thought, I need to write them a thank you note. Uh, I, need to, I, need to, I need to help them. Well, they have, I need to give them. The, am I the only one that, I mean, now there are a lot of thoughts that, believe me, I'm glad that you don't know. That those are the ones that I repent over and wonder where in the world they're coming from. But we're not going to talk about those right now. We're not talking about the bad things. We're talking about the good things right now. The good things, my, I can tell you, I would put my intentions up against about anybody's intentions because you are looking at a man that has good intentions. But at the end of the day when I lay down, Well, you didn't get that one done. You didn't do that one. That that good one, that one's out. That one's out. That one's out. Strike one, strike two, strike three, strike four, strike five, strike six, strike. There, It's that war in our minds about the good intention, but it's that follow-through on those good intentions. Acts 10, 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil for God was was with them. It's just time, and I preached a message about this uh, a while back from this pulpit, but it's just time to intentionally go about doing good. Just to do good. Just watch and, and get an opportunity to just do good. The doors that was open for Jesus as he went about doing good. The people that, that his life, the people he changed, he, a lot of that was him just going about to do good. I honestly think that, that we, um, we ought to just get in our cars sometimes and just, Take out and say, okay, God, where? You say, that's crazy. Well, that's pushing the limits, but we're going to have to push the limits. I was, well, I don't know if I'd jump out here or not. You're, now, there are going to be people right now that are going to disagree with me, okay? And that's okay. If, if you see this different, fine. But I have, I have justified not giving beggars money because they'll probably just buy beer with it. Right? Or drugs. Well, I've decided I guess I'm going to start buying beer and drugs. 
Because what, what happened to me a few months ago, because I've gone back and forth all these years. I'd give out money, and then I wouldn't. And then I'd give out money, and then I wouldn't. And then it's just that, it's that war. And I decided a couple of months ago, what is two or three hundred dollars a year to not fight this war in my head, whether or they could have been hungry? Now, do, do what you want to. If you may be hung up on beer and drugs, and, and, and now if I've got food to give them, I'll give them food. All right? And I've, and I've gone in a few places lately when we're traveling. There was a, a, you know, a homeless beggar uh, out there, and I just said, hey, well, you know, uh, the other day we were traveling. I went over to him. I said, uh, what do you want to eat? You know, what in here do you want? And have you, you have any water? What? He goes, no, I'd love to have some water. I said, have you eaten anything lately? No. Uh, you know, and so I went, I went in. The, I'm not bragging on myself. I'm just giving an example of what we've got to clock into this. And so I just went in the store and I don't, it, you, you know, when you're traveling, the prices are so high. It's ridiculous. Airports, all that. It's just, man, what people charge for a sandwich. And I, and I went over to that, to that uh, case where the sandwiches were, and I just said, what's the most expensive sandwich in this thing? What's the biggest sandwich in here? I don't know what the guy wants, but that's what he's fixing to get, and he's going to get a big bottle of cold water. I don't know. I think it cost me $8 for those two things or something. But it's, but it's like, okay, Terry, what are you saying? I'm saying that we've got to click in to doing good. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. In the simplest ways, whatever, we've got to do this business of Jesus Christ. He went about doing good. I'll tell you what will happen if we'll do it. It will release something in us that there will be something that will start flowing out of us that's going to be more than $2 and $3 and $4. It's up to us to prime the pump. Now, now time's already getting away, and I've got a whole lot more notes than i got time. I, I got it. But I'm telling you, we're, we're going to have to prime the pump. We're going to have to do something different. We're going to have to throw some caution to the wind and get out into that area where Jesus looked at his disciples and he said, I have food to eat that ye know not of. My food is to do the will of him that sent me. And what he was doing, he, he was eating a, a major steak, spiritual steak, emotional steak dinner at that well as he gave out to somebody, he was just doing good. It's time to get out of our comfort zone and do some good. It's time to take some risk and even the risk of being misunderstood and do good. It's, it's time for us to, to do some things where people may say of us, oh, you're just, you're, you're just trying to be goody-goody. Well, maybe it's been too long since anybody has said that of me, and maybe I need to push the limit a little bit where somebody's like, oh, he's just trying to be goody-goody. He, he's just trying to be so heavenly-minded, he's no earthly good. How, how long has it been since anybody has said anything to us kind of out of the way? Let's not continue to live safe. Let's, let's not. We're, we're too safe. Let's, let's get risky on something. Go hang out with a drunk. Go, go, go hang out with a drunk. Go, just something. Just, just something that is so totally out of the norm, 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 safe. Norm, 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 safe. I'm Christian, I'm Christian, I'm Christian. Let, why don't we, why don't we risk something where somebody might think we're not? I know it. Good. Now, when we do good, let's, let's not, let's not turn it into a photo op and put it on social media. 
I mean, some of the stuff I see, I wonder, did that really come out of your heart or was that a photo op? Did you know, what were you thinking? I hadn't had a good social media post in a while. So here, I'm going to hand out this. Now, I'm going to hand out or do whatever. Now, if it's a group ministry doing something, take pictures of it. Put it on social media so we can see what the church is doing. Absolutely. If somebody else is doing it, you take the picture of them, you want to put it on, go ahead. That's no problem at all. But, oh, be careful to, that we don't blow trumpets about our good. Today's trumpet is a social media, but I don't have time to dig into that that, that bad. But, but well done. Well done, thou good. Let's, let's answer that. And then when we've answered good, now let's answer faithful. Now, when we look at what faithful means, that's, that's persons who show themselves faithful in the transaction of business. I'm sure you managers, general managers, and owners love those kind of employees. The ones that, that will execute uh, the commands given, they'll discharge of official duties, one who kept his plight, faith, worthy of trust. Uh, here it is, faithful. One that can be relied on. I can tell you this faithfulness goes a long way. When you, when you can trust somebody, I mean, when you just know that, that it's going to be taken care of and you're not having to look behind somebody, walk behind them, check behind them. But, but when you know if they're on it and they say, I got it, you just wipe it out of your mind. That's faithfulness. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Proverbs 25, 19, confidence in an unfaithful man in time of trouble is like a broken tooth and a foot out of joint. You ever had a, you know, when you just have a toothache or a problem or, you know, it's like, I mean, everything, that is such a pain. It's just literally a physical pain, and then it just messes everything up. You know, your tongue gets hung on your tooth and just just everything. I was, I had a, I had a crown fall out one night right before I went to, to speak. And oh my, oh my goodness, by the time I got through speaking, um, my tongue was ripped up. Uh, you know, it's just, and so I couldn't hardly even concentrate on what I was doing because of this, of this pulling in, in my, that's like putting your confidence in an unfaithful person. We, we must not be that. We must be faithful. And then we move to that other word, servant. Good, faithful servant. Now, when we start talking about a servant, a servant is one who gives himself up to another's will. That's what a servant is. Those whose, whose service is used by Christ is extending and advancing his cause among men for us to be servants of him. It's one who is devoted to another to the disregard, this is, this is strong, devoted to another to the disregard of their own interest. Devoted, I'm devoted to him in a way that whatever he says, that's what I do and I'm, and I'm not regarding my own interest. When, when you talk about um, when, when you talk about truly serving, it's, it's, a, it's a deep word. Servant is a, a very deep word. It's a very powerful word. I've heard people say a few times, we'll never know how good of a servant we are until we're treated like one. We'll, we'll never know about what kind of a servant spirit we have until we're actually treated like one. Now, now I agree with that, but I think we need to be very careful here. People have different ways of training and, and training people and equipping people. And I personally think that we should be very careful in how we treat those serving us. I say to leaders all the time, whenever I'm, I'm teaching leaders, I tell them, if, if you want to know, if you really want to know about another leader in this room, then when we're all out eating, Watch how they treat the person waiting on the table. 
if, if you really want to know about somebody, watch how they treat the people who can do nothing for them. So when we're talking about being careful in how we treat those who are helping us, especially those who are younger, I just don't, I just don't think that we have to talk down to people. I just don't think it's right to talk down to people. It, it does well, but they're just this or they're just, just that. Um, I just don't buy it. I struggle in a major way when we're in third world countries, seeing the way that people are treated. It, I mean, it, it bugs me. It bugs me in a, in a major way. I just don't think that, that people should be talked down to. I, I don't think that, that we need to, to teach, um, younger servants lessons to toughen them up. I don't think that. Now, you know, when there are children, there's, there's things that they're to do, and if they don't, then there's consequences. But I got that. I've, I totally understand raising men and women. I, I, I got all that. I just don't think, I, I don't, in, in the core of my being, I cannot, even in these areas, I cannot justify disconnecting the fruit of the Spirit in order to help shape somebody. I don't get it. I just don't get it. This, this, I, I cannot stand to see an adult hold something up from a little kid and, and keep it to where they can never touch it. Now, get them to jump a couple of times. That's okay. But lower the thing to where they can get it. Last week, I believe it was, uh, yeah, uh, last week or the week before, Mel and I were teaching at School of Missions. And it was a huge School of Missions group because we couldn't have it last year because of COVID. So it was a double group. And we had like, uh, man, 100 missionaries there, I guess. And and so how they set up the room is your newest missionaries are on the front row. So it's like, it's like by uh, seniority. And so the ones that have been there the longest, they're in the back, which is fine. That's no problem. Well, I happen to know the couple well that was the, young, the youngest missionaries of the group. They just got married three weeks ago, and they're in school of missions. And, uh, and so I just said um, to the veterans, you know, I, I don't know how you're going to, I don't know how you're going to treat these. They're, they're close to me, so I'll, I'll have input in their life. I said, but I'm not going to try to t- toughen them up. I'm not, I'm not going to treat, look down at them. I'm not doing it that way. Life and God will give them more than enough to toughen them up. Now, I'm going to be there to help equip. I'm going to be there to help encourage. But if you think that I am going to take the responsibility to think that I've got to toughen them up or I've got to make sure they go through whatever I went through, no. No. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not doing that. I'm supposed to be a servant. They're supposed to be a servant. Yes, I've been serving a few more years than what they've been serving. So what, what my years should, should show is wisdom. You see, gray hair does not guarantee wisdom. It just shows where it should be found. And so what we have to do is we have to live in a way and operate in a way to where we are serving, we're always serving, and we're honoring those who serve while we serve. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. But then you read down that a little uh, longer, and then the word few hits us. Few. You've been faithful over... A few things I'll make you ruler over many. Well, what does few mean? That's pretty basic. It's little, small, few. Um, 
not much quantity, not, not much size of time short of degree of intensity, light, slight. So let's put this in context. In Matthew 25 and 23, <coughs> literally Matthew 25, 23 repeats Matthew 25, 21. It says the very same thing twice. First, it's to the one that five talents had been given, and he had used the five and gained five more. And then, then the second time, it was with the two, and he had used two, his two well and gained two more. So few was mentioned to both Mr. Five and Mr. Two. Few is about doing what the master tells us with what we have. Few tells us we don't have to be all. Few tells us that he will give us the power to do what we are supposed to do. Few tells us that we will not be overwhelmed. Few tells us we can do it. Few tells us that, that we can make it. Few tells us that I don't have to worry about, about who had five, because the master said the same thing to about five. He said, with these five, you've been faithful over a few things. The one that had two, he said the same thing. You have been faithful over a few things. All we have to do is be faithful over a few things. My few might not be your few. Your few might not be your few. But what we have to do is we have to look at what Jesus Christ has given us, what is within our power to do, and we've got to take that and do the, the absolute best with that that we can, and what will we hear? Well done. If we take our few things and, and it, and we are, and we do good with that, we're faithful with that, whatever our few is, God will determine the number of the few to us. It is a few. Few is what connects us all if we're taking what we have and we're using it to the best of our ability. What will we hear in the end? Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Not get out of here because you didn't match him. Get out of here because you didn't do it like him. Get out of here, get lost because you didn't know. It's not, that is not the kingdom principle. The kingdom principle is we're good and we're faithful and we serve. We stay in an attitude of serving with the few things that God has given us and then we will enter in. So I think that that is a verse that needs to be considered. And now I will quickly share this last verse with you uh, tonight. And I believe it gives us greater insight in the way Jesus served. Luke twenty-two thirty-one and 32. The Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not, and when thou art converted... Strengthen thy brethren. Get that picture. Jesus Christ looking at Peter saying, I have prayed for you. Now, it's one thing for your grandmother to pray for you. And it's another thing for your mother, your dad, your grandfather, your pastor, whatever. But Jesus, Jesus said, I have prayed for you. Picture the king on his knees. I have prayed for you. The king, the savior. Jesus praying for Peter. And he prayed for Peter, and we know that he prayed for many more. Jesus literally served them. See, we understand the fishes and the loaves. We understand the healing. We understand the, the peace to the demoniac, the mobility, the paralytic. We, we understand all that. But gain another picture of how Jesus served and how we can serve. He prayed for them. Now, we need to bring this into focus because it's interesting what he said. When you're converted, strengthen the brethren. 
So in other words, he was saying, I have prayed for you, and when you're converted, reach out past yourself. When, when you're converted, then get out of the mirror. When, when you're converted, then strengthen your brother. So who are we serving through prayer? Who are we serving right now through prayer? Whose name did we call yesterday? Whose name have, have we called today? We can all call many names tomorrow after we have focused on this. We have, we have to pray for them. I have prayed for you, Peter, that what? That your faith fail not. Whose faith are we upholding by prayer? They may never know it. If, if we run across them, we probably need to tell them. Anytime you have felt the Spirit speak to you and you've truly gone to prayer for somebody, if you see them, you ought to just tell them. You don't have to ask them what's going on or anything like that. But I tell you, most people would be happy to hear, hey, the other day, the Spirit of God spoke your name and I prayed for you. That, that just needs to be a part of, of who we are. So what are our opportunities for prayer at New Life? We can serve in daily personal private prayer. We can serve in church-wide prayer. There are public settings for prayer. There are private serving opportunities for, for prayer. Last Saturday night, I was in Shreveport, so I don't know how many of you came to the prayer meeting, but I hear it was a wonderful prayer meeting a uh, pastor does not call too many of those, and, and so when, when he does, if we're in town, if we can possibly get here, it's, it's critical that we get here because he, he doesn't call that unless he's truly seeking after direction in a manner for this church, and we serve by, by praying. There, there is something that we're seriously trying to build up here, and that is our our uh, pre-service prayer, especially 9 to 10 on Sunday morning, even if we could meet, um, some of you, if you could meet in the, in the prayer room at 9.30, I really feel that this is a great, uh, a great group to, to launch this. I know that many are involved in ministries, and we're asking ministries to have a time of prayer before they start, but we need a, we need a major happening prayer meeting in the prayer room every Sunday morning. We, we need that. Uh, we desperately need that. We need to cover pastor. We need to cover everyone that, that is involved. We need that. Now, I also know that seating, thank goodness, we have seating issues at New Life. It's always good to be a part of a church that has seating issues. And so, you know, what, what you can do is just have a little sign and put it on your seat when you're going to the prayer room. Uh, I'm sitting here, I'm in the prayer room praying right now, and if you take this seat, I will pray that you will not be blessed. Um, or, or, you know, praying hot prayers, stay out of my way, stay out of my seat. What, whatever, put, you know, put, bring, bring a brick in and, and put it, whatever. It, it absolutely doesn't matter. I understand seating issues, and that can get very serious, but, but some of you that can, please, Meet us. We, we've got to have a strong pre-service prayer on Sunday morning. Help us with that. Please, please help us with, with that. I know that out of this group, we, we could, we could really gain some ground on that. I don't know how many of you have, are in the custom now of signing up for our first weekend prayer, uh, Friday, Saturday. Um, it can slide by you. I know it's a new thing. We're, they're, they're doing a good job trying to advertise it. If you need to write yourself a three-by-five card, put it on your desk, put it somewhere to remind. It's 30-minute segments. We, we, just, we should have hundreds of people on that weekend. Uh, we ought to walk in here on that, on that particular Sunday morning, and it ought to be an explosion in here just from the focus prayer of, of this church. And I believe that, 
that that is is going to happen. There's one other area that I would like to just bring. It's been on my my mind for a while, and that's prayer walks. Now, we know this beyond a shadow of a doubt. We know that there's going to have to be two areas that continues to grow, 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 grow in at New Life for us to go to the dimension that we know that God wants us to be, and that's the Word and prayer. The Word and prayer. We know that beyond a shadow of a doubt. But we have to have, but we have to have prayer. We have to take our prayer into a dominion level. To where, to where we start gaining dominion in our neighborhoods. We have to start, we, we have dominion inside this building. You can believe that. But we have to gain dominion in our homes and in our, in our neighborhoods. I would like to challenge you to give some thoughts to prayer walks. Uh, you can go to World Network of Prayer online, World Network of Prayer. There is a, a document there on prayer walks. Um, also, I came across today, whenever I was studying this a little stronger, these people do not teach the doctrine that we teach, but Christ Community Church, I, I, I think it was in Ohio, I, I believe, but ChristCommunityChurch.com, they have something on prayer walks, incredible information, very good information. Um, what we've got to do is we've got to get into walking around our neighborhoods and praying. I'm not talking about hands raised, yelling to the top of your lungs, speaking in tongues, interpreting to yourself. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about walking and praying and praying specific prayers. Um, I, we've got to get to where we know that people are are, dry, are walking around or doing prayer drives around City Hall where decisions are being made uh, around local schools. These, these, are, these are just things that we've got to start reaching out into and thinking beyond just what happens inside this building. Homes, neighborhoods, schools, City Hall, all of these kinds of, of things. Pre-service prayer, we need it. So, Jesus served by praying, and we can do the same. So, we say yes to serving. If we can take our serving to a greater level, it's going to expand the kingdom. It's yes at home, we serve. We serve, we start at home because what we really are, we are at home. You say, ouch. Yeah, I know. What we really are, we are at home. So it would not be a good idea to be a great servant out of home and be a stranger to your family. And so serving starts at home, and then it goes from there. And then, of course, yes, at church, serving at church. You know, uh, and I'm I'm hurrying. I'm going to be done in seven minutes. Um, COVID came and... And really, from what I'm understanding by talking to some of the leaders, um, some of our volunteer areas really took a hit. And so it's time to crank that back up. I mean, it's, it's time for us to get involved. It's time, it's time for us to get back involved. And it's time for us to have these conversations to our friends that are in the church, our family members that are in the church. It's, it's time to, to get this, this serving thing moving. And let's go beyond what we were pre-COVID. Um, and it's, it's serving, it's serving all, all kinds of people. One thing that is so interesting to me as I have been, uh, blessed to travel and minister in the Philippines, uh, several times and then in countries around the world, it's like I was, I was preaching, uh, the, uh, the conference in the Philippines a few years ago and I said, do you realize that the world is open to you. you. You see them everywhere. You see Filipinos everywhere. We're in Muslim countries, and there's all kinds of Filipinos. You know why? They're known for serving. They're known for serving. And so 
those people seem to be able to get passes and and uh, visas and all that all over the world. And, and I thought, and I was I was preaching in, to them at the convention. I said, you know, you you do as a as a nation as a culture, you do what Jesus said to do. And you're the people that the entire world is opened up to. There's, there's a principle there. Because Jesus came as a servant, and it opened the door for so many things. And, and he said clearly, as you've seen me do that, you do that. And so I would just challenge you, just up your serving a little bit. Just... Just, I'm not trying to get anybody to go from here to there. Forget that mess. That doesn't work in life. Um, it's process. It's, it's step by step. And, and let's just take that next step, and let's keep taking steps in, in ways that we can serve. We know the real need is Jesus, but the gateway is, is uh, felt needs. Needs that people are feeling. Do you have to wait for that to preach the gospel? No. We're, we're supposed to be preaching the gospel. We're, we're supposed to be preaching the gospel. But as we're going with the focus of the gospel, let us not miss a gate that is open. Amen? And by serving, we can also knock on a few gates and, and see if we can get in. Why don't we all stand together? I want to thank you for coming on Wednesday night. Thank you. And I'm very excited about how, I don't know how many people's in classes and, and different needs being met and, and teaching being done. But I know, I know the level of spiritual maturity and the years of investment that walks in this sanctuary on Wednesday nights. Be challenged. Don't settle. Please don't settle. Please don't think, okay, good. This is don't don't settle for just the norm same. Let's let's push some limits and and see what as we do what he did, what will happen in not only our lives, but more importantly, the lives of the lost. Amen. Father, we come thanking you for our time together. I thank you for these wonderful people that love you, and that are committed to you. Now, would you please just direct us? Help us to be sensitive. We don't know how much time is left, but you can guide us in such a way that we can be in step with what you intend to do on this earth, and especially in this area. Now, let it be done in Jesus' name. And can everybody say amen? Amen. God bless you. Have a good night.